It's time for the Friday Mental Health Power Hour with your hosts, Scotty P and Ev. Let's get to it. Click go live. Live once again in the city of brotherly love, none other than Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, broadcasting from and hanging out in the WWDB 860 AM studios. Yes, you've heard right. You've tuned yourself into another episode of the Friday Mental Health Power Hour with your hosts, Scotty P and Ev. Good evening, Philadelphia, Bucks County, Montgomery County, Delco, and Southwest New Jersey. But folks, we don't stop there. We're entering eardrums anywhere that you got access to the internet. Stream us live every Friday at 6 p.m. EST on WWDBAM.com. By the way, my name is Ev. I'm a professional speaker in the youth mental health space. And my name is Scotty P, and I'm also a professional speaker. I'm an inspirational speaker who does everything from mental health to just finding everyday ways to help people move past the mental obstacles that hold us all back in life today. And you know what? Today, Ev and I, guess what we're talking about? Something that hits home for each and every one of us in some way, shape, or form. We're talking about depression. And we're really excited to bring this episode today to you. I think we got some great strategies lined up, and I think it's going to impact people. And I know it's a Friday night, and you might be thinking, dog, I don't want to talk about depression. Yes, you do, because it's something that we all need to learn on how to move past it. And what better way to do it than on a Friday night before you start your weekend? Love it, man. And hey, if you want to catch the replay and bonus episodes, you can find us now on any major podcast platform by simply searching for the Friday Mental Health Power Hour with, you guessed it, Scotty P and Ev. Well, we're glad to be here once again. And like Scotty said, we're talking all about depression. This is a uh, super important topic. I don't know how things with depression don't aren't going to end up like trickling into probably every episode we've ever already done or are going to do. You know, right. It's just a part of everything. Now, what's really interesting, and admittedly, Scott and I did not realize this until somewhat... uh, When we set it out as the episode for depression, we did not realize the significance of this day. Mm -hmm. And it is actually not only... Forget the national thing. It is World Suicide Prevention Day. It's Friday, September 10th. And I I just thought that was really interesting and very appropriate because as I think even if you haven't dealt with mental health issues, you can probably use your head and guess that, yes, there is a pretty high correlation between depression that goes untreated and certainly suicidal ideations, but even suicide attempts. Now, it gets a little more complicated than that, but we can start with that for sure. And just like every episode, guys, we think it's really important as two people who have lived these experiences and been through this stuff themselves, uh, we got to define what we're talking about here. And depression is one that there's a lot of things with. So Scott, I know he's going to start us off with kind of some definitions. Yeah. So when we're talking about depression, you know, we have non-clinical and we have clinical. Now they're very similar, but they are in fact different. So when we have a clinical depression, we're talking about a chemical imbalance in the brain up here. Something that, you know, the different chemicals are off and we need to put it back into wax, so to speak. And we do this, whether it's through psychotherapy, whether it's through medication, variety of different options. So that's kind of the first one in a very broad and basic definition. Now, the next thing that we have is non-clinical. Now, non-clinical, it's still depression. I don't want you to sit here and think, oh, Scott said non-clinical depression is not a thing. No, it is, but it's a little bit different. And this is more of when we're talking about that, those passing moods, that general feeling of unhappiness, or just being in a place in your life where you're feeling very lonely and dark and having those types of feelings come about more, okay? So that's what we're looking at with the non-clinical side. Now, what's really important to notice is that we have to be able to recognize the difference between the two. Because if we have clinical depression and we're trying to seek help in a non-clinical way, mm, 
chances are we're probably not going to be getting the results that we want to get and that we need to get. And vice versa, if we're suffering from non-clinical and we're trying to go to a clinical route, again, we're not going to be getting those proper results. So those are just some of the differences that we want to talk about. And Ev, I know that we're going to discuss this a little bit more in depth, but it's important to note that depression is not just something that affects everybody the same way. It's different in every single way. And the symptoms, although they are very alike in the same ballpark, they can be different depending upon each person's case, personality, age, all things like that, right? Sure. And um, I mean, I'll go ahead and we'll take it one step further because there is, again, there's a lot of things that get associated with the word depression. And it's like, what are we talking about here? So I think the most common mix-ups are the ideas between what Scott already said, the non-clinical and clinical. But you might be thinking as a listener, and you've probably heard this, what about like bipolar depression? Is that the same thing? Or what about that seasonal affective disorder thing, which is about Mm. to become so unbelievably uh, relevant and prevalent in just a matter of weeks here. So defining these real quick, seasonal affective disorder, otherwise known as SAD, that's truly an acronym that it's known by, is a mood disorder characterized by depression that occurs at the same time every year. Seasonal affective disorder occurs in climates where there is less sunlight at certain times of the year. Symptoms include fatigue, depression, hopelessness, and social withdrawal. And in rare cases, this can actually happen in the summer. It's almost like paradoxical that it can happen in the summer. I swear, this is my theory, this is, hey, I'm not a doctor, so you take this for whatever it's worth. I swear that's because some people, maybe if they live in like Florida or whatever, are so resistant to the heat that they actually are ending up spending more time indoors than maybe they would otherwise. I, I know some people, man, they just want to sit in their AC all summer long. Sure. I could be wrong, but it really doesn't seem to make sense that there's that um, you know unexpected relationship between like, why, why would anyone have seasonal affective disorder in the summer, it seems? And then bipolar, this is a thing that's less prevalent than all three of these, but it's still something really worth mentioning. It affects a lot of people out there. And I think the fact that it is less prevalent is even more important to mention it because these people uh, typically uh, go very long without getting proper treatment and it's, it's mm-hmm. not cool. So bipolar is a disorder associated with episodes of mood swings ranging from depressive lows to manic highs. And there's different types of bipolar. We're not going to get into that today. But, you know, someone who is dealing with just true clinical depression, they might experience this for years at a time. Someone that's dealing with bipolar, they're going to have these long periods of depression, but then they might be, you know, high as a kite for the next three weeks, getting an unbelievable amount of things done, not sleeping properly. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to make sure we mentioned that today as well. Oh, yeah. And and I'm so glad that we mentioned all four of these because, look, to your generic listener out there, they hear depression and they think, oh, oh, you know, that's when you're uh, sad, right? I mean, (laughs) come on. There's a lot more that goes along with this. And me and Ev both work on trying to eradicate that stigma that is brought on with depression. But here's the thing. I want to put it back on the audience real quick here. When you hear people say depression, I would say that nine nine times out of ten, give or take, your initial reaction is, oh. And it's just that. It's, oh. You know, nobody's jumping for joy, but nobody's necessarily saying, oh, well, we need to help that person right away. It's just kind of, oh, and that's something that we really need to work on changing because depression is not something that is going to necessarily prevent you from living a normal life. I have depression. Ev has talked about it. I know so many people who have depression. You can live a perfectly normal life if you manage it and if you learn to address it in the proper way. 
And that's the part that a lot of times in society we're tripping up on because we're not addressing it properly. And then if we do address it properly, we're not following up with the right strategies and the right tools to be able to work through it in a manageable way. Now, later in the show, we're going to talk about different strategies and skills that each person can use to help them manage and work through their depressive symptoms, whatever they might be. And for anyone who follows me on social media, you'll know that I post videos on a regular basis about everyday tips that we can all use to help us move past those mental obstacles that hold us all back. Because at the end of the day, depression, whether clinical, whether bipolar, whatever type we're talking about, it is a mental health issue that has to be taken care of and dealt with accordingly. Because especially today on the day that we're talking about, it's world, what did you say? It was world, world Suicide Prevention Day, yeah. World Suicide Prevention Day. Well, I could tell you this as a fact because I know it with the clinicians we've talked with for our other organization. The number one, number one cause of suicide is untreated depression. Um, let that sink in there for a second. So because of that, what does that tell me? What should that tell all of us? That we need to do a better job of starting to treat this in a proper way. What do you think of? Absolutely. There's so much ignorance around this. And this is, and guys, we mean this respectfully. You know, ignorance is typically used as like a derogatory term. That's not how it's meant. Ignorance just means not having knowledge about something, right? It's genuine ignorance. And just like what you said, I don't think many people would know that. I think they might be able to guess if you you know, said, hey, what mental health condition is most associated with it? Like, sure. I don't think many people would know that d depression, major depressive disorder is, ah, it's like number two, no, the second uh, biggest cause of disability, medical yeah. disability in America. So no, guys, you're not faking that to get into disability. That's not how it works. That's a long, why do you look it up? It's a long process to be able to get money for something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's really a shame because there's a huge stigma around depression, thinking that these people are lazy or just not working hard enough or whatever. I will tell you as someone who is type A to a fault buzzing around 24 <laughs> seven when Talk I'm, when I'm healthy. Yeah. It's like, I can't do anything when I'm depressed. It's just, I can't do anything. I want to do things. I know it make me feel good, but I can't do it. And the word is can't. And I keep saying that over and over again because people just assume you see someone that's physically able mm -hmm. and you think like, well, okay, if the house was on fire, they'd run out. All right, sure, maybe you could get these adrenaline bursts going every right. now and then. That's not sustainable, though, for someone with depression. They'd have a cap on something like that. And so that's what we really need to understand is you might be looking at a physically capable person, but when it comes to work, when it comes to maintaining their relationships, yeah, um, that can mess you up. And I would say depression was probably, I mean, we don't have the stats on this yet fully. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine what those numbers went to over the pandemic. It's crazy. And th that brings up another stat. So for anyone who doesn't know this, I know a lot of people are familiar with it. A few years ago, it was one in five teenagers will suffer from depression. Well, guess what that stat is now? It's one in four. And that's before that's before the pandemic mm. even came out. So we're looking at at least probably 25% of teenagers and young adults alone that is reported are suffering with depression. Now, you and I both know that that number is way higher. It's way higher because that stigma associated with depression that people don't want to talk about it. People are afraid to say, I'm struggling with this because of the backlash that they'll receive from society or their friends or their family. And we need to get rid of that. And it's going to be a process and it's going to take time. But the more awareness that we bring to it and the more passion that we bring to it as well, which Evan and I both do, anyone who knows us, it's going to help people to be more comfortable about it. Because at the end of the day in life, when people are comfortable with anything, whether it's their environment, with somebody they're dating, or a topic they're discussing, when you're comfortable, you're going to open up about it more. And when you open up about something more, you're going to get better results out of whatever it is that you're trying to do, right? So that's what we want to do with depression as well. And I think the saddest thing in the world is when I think of people who are older than us in the generations 
20, 30, 40, 50, 60, I mean, even hundreds of years ago, if you talked about depression, you were many times exiled from society. And I think about how sad it was that some of our grandparents had to deal with things like that and how far we've come, but yet how far we still need to go. I love that you said bringing passion to it because we have passion and compassion, right? Mm. And I think one of the things with teens, because that's, you know, we're kind of referencing that, of course, depression can affect anyone. But one of the things with teens in particular is that we label this as like just moodiness, which is real. Right. Yes, right. you're going through hormonal changes. <laughs> but how do we actually identify the differences, what do those things look like? And hey, when we come back from the commercial break, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. We'll see you guys in just a second. Hey everyone, Eric Katz here, the owner of Katz Dogs Canine. Are you working from home and need to get your dog out running around for the day? Will you be traveling this summer and looking for a place to board your pup? Is your dog looking a little shaggy and need a haircut or bath? Are you looking forward to walking around and enjoying this beautiful weather, but you can't because your dog's pulling like a freight train? Well, you're in luck. We are a one-stop shop that focuses on daycare, boarding, grooming, and training. We are located at 35 Middle Road, Percocy, PA on 10 beautiful acres. You can check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Cats Dogs Canine or our website, catsdogscanine.com. Our phone number is 855 Cats Dog, 855 528 9364. If you're a parent who wants to understand the mental health challenges your child faces, then my book, My Perfect Life, How Depression Almost Ended It and How I Found Purpose Through Pain is for you. Through goofy, relatable stories, you'll see the world from the eyes of someone silently battling depression. Most importantly, you'll learn how we can find hope and purpose through pain. Get your copy of My Perfect Life today, available on Amazon by searching Lucas Wolf my perfect life and that's wolf with an e tired of talk radio shows that are nothing but trump trump and more trump looking for something that actually has some relevance to your life then tune into the pennsylvania project hi i'm ken krawchuk host of the pennsylvania project our mission is to showcase the political cultural and environmental challenges facing contemporary pennsylvania and we're all about solutions so tune in mondays 3 p.m here on wwdb 860 a.m in philadelphia when the problem is same old, same old talk radio, the correct solution is the Pennsylvania Project. Hey folks, what's going on? It's Evan Transu, a.k.a. Ev here. I just wanted to shout out my friends at FDN Thrive. Part of my story with mental health is that I was actually able to get a hold of a lot of my mental and physical health issues by addressing what was going on in my body. So I do mean more of a natural slash functional medicine side. Is this going to be for everyone? Absolutely not. But if you're someone like me who suffered for years and maybe a lot of the conventional things didn't work out, you might want to consider what is going on in your body and see if that is playing any role. So if you want to focus on something more objective, get some lab results and actually have these lab results analyzed by practitioners who are trained in this specific modality, then go to fdnthrive.com and click the get started here button. That's fdnthrive.com thrive.com and click the get started here button and we're back welcome to the friday mental health power hour with your hosts scotty p and ev where we're talking all things mental health all the time very special day today and not in a fun way unfortunately but we're bringing awareness to it making the best out of it it is world suicide prevention day and so the topic very appropriately is depression because depression, as Scott shared in the first segment, is the number one mental health issue that's correlated with uh, suicide uh, completion. So, 
In part two of these shows, what we like to do is actually share lived experiences from the things that we're talking about when mm-hmm. relevant, when we can. And then, um, you know, we're not necessarily giving tips. We might. It's going to it bleeds into the that area of the show. It can't not really. But, you know, it's more about like, all right, what went wrong with this? How does this affect lives? However, we also want to start this segment with the quote of the day. And I'm not sure. Did you? Do you have any relevant news stories? I know we were like maybe trying to do that. I don't personally. Well, we were just talking about, I think the most relevant, no, it's all good. I think the most relevant story is what just Ev mentioned being it's a world, um, what what is it? World Suicide Prevention Day. Yeah. World Suicide Prevention Day. I think that in itself is the most relevant story that we could possibly bring up. And that's why, one of the reasons why we chose to talk about depression today, because as we were saying before, for those who haven't heard us, the number one, number one cause of suicide completion is untreated depression. And so that's what we're talking about today. But we're going to get into our quotes that we both have. And so I'm going to start with my quote. Then Ev's going to do his. We're going to talk about it, bring things in. It's great. You'll love it. Here we go. So my quote today is this. Those who push past the threshold of frustration will acquire the gift of resilience. Hmm. Now, you might be thinking, okay, Scott, why are you talking about this quote here in resilience when we're talking about depression? Where are you going with this, G? What's going on here? Well, don't worry. I'll explain it. The reason that I chose this quote is because when we're dealing with depression, it is an everyday fight. It is an everyday battle. It is something that is always there, especially for someone who's in a really deep place in it. And so what that requires of us is to fight it every single day, no matter how we're feeling, no matter how in a dark place we're in, we get up and we find a reason to bring some joy in our life. We find a reason to look on the bright side, even when we don't see it there. It's resilience. The best way to beat depression is, among other things, resilience. Obviously, we need support from family. We need to get professional help, maybe therapy, if that's necessary. But above all, and the combination of all those, we need resilience. And that's why I chose this quote today, because when we're talking about depression, I know me specifically, when I was suffering for years, it gets very frustrating. You're like, man, I'm suffering with this again. I'm dealing with this again. I already beat this. Why is it coming back? And it's a frustrating feeling. And that can be your threshold sometimes. You're up to here. You've had it. You're not, you feel like you can't do it anymore. But if you can push past that threshold, push past it, you're going to acquire that gift of resilience because of what you've been through, what you're able to move through, and how you'll be able to do it again. And once you have that gift of resilience, ooh, 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 I get excited just talking about it, Ev. There's nothing that you can't do or can't overcome, no matter how many times you have to fight depression. If you have that resilience, you'll be able to overcome it. If you guys aren't watching the Facebook Live, you got it. I mean, Scott just speaks with so many gestures, man. You're only getting 50% of it if you just listen to his voice, that's for sure. But I, I love that, man. I love, we said this off the air even, just how you're able to connect these quotes that on the surface, if someone just saw that on the surface, you might not initially know where you're going with it, but then it means something to you. And I think that's really special. You have a lot of things like that where these analogies and stories, but it does, it matters because then we experience it in a different way. So I love it. The quote that I chose is something that I don't know if it's actually considered cliche because I feel like we live in a bubble because we're in the mental health space. Is this actually cliche to the average person? I have no idea. But the quote is that depression is a feeling of drowning while everyone else around you is breathing. Depression Mm. is a feeling of drowning while everyone else around you is breathing. And I don't necessarily mean that so literally, but what I do mean, kind of going back to the first segment where, you know, you might see someone that's physically able, but they can't go to the social Mm. events. They can't do their job. They can't get the schoolwork done. This is something I explain to like parents and teachers a lot. The kid's not being lazy. They can't do it. 
And so when I say it feels like you're drowning, but everyone else around you is breathing, if you're in a pool and, you know, I mean, God forbid you were actually drowning, it becomes quite obvious to most people around you that something's going on. But what this quote is getting at is that you feel like you're drowning, but everyone else sees you as breathing. Mm -hmm. But you're like, what is going on? I feel so much different than everyone else that I'm looking at. Like, what's happening, man? Like, what is it? What am I experiencing right now? And that's the best way I can describe it. And so this is why talking about this stuff matters, having presentations on this topic matters, because one of the reasons I ended up getting into speaking is simply because I look back at this crazy story sometimes of my life. I'm just like, what could have stopped that? And I think the only thing that could have is someone coming in and kind of verbally smacking me in the face and saying, hey, buddy, (laughs) you've been trapped in this for a while now. This is what this is. Please do something about it. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, Ev. I really relate to that a lot because I know when I was in high school in the early part of college, really in those deep parts of depression, I almost kind of wish that someone would have been able to come in and relate to me. And even when I would look up stories on YouTube or read books, I never really felt like I related to those people because I couldn't see them. They weren't of my age. They didn't look like me. They didn't have things in common with me. There were many times people, oh, I beat it in the past. But I never had anyone who was going through it in that moment Mm. to really say, hey, it's okay. And I think when we're talking about depression, obviously we have to do a lot of things, but above all else, really having that empathy and compassion for people is so key. It really is. And I know that sounds like a broken record, a little bit generic, but it is so true because we don't know what that person's experience is like because everybody's experience with depression is a little bit different. And you're not one to judge to say, oh, that's a really severe case or that's a mild case because you don't know how they, how it affects them on a daily basis. And I think that when we're talking about depression and everything that goes along with it, sorry that my my chair just kind of fell down. For <laughs> now you more. really wish you're on the video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm gonna keep going because we're professionals out here. But, um, but when we're talking depression and and making sure that we're just being fair and understanding that what might be a mountain for us might be a molehill for someone else and vice versa, and just recognizing that and really paying attention to that. That was smooth, man. You kept that going. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, so for those listening just on audio, I mean, his chair just sunk like you know six, seven inches. At least and he just kept going like that's the flow gotta do it yeah um and i I think it what you were kind of getting at maybe indirectly is this idea of you know you never you hear this all the time online this i know people have heard you know don't be mean to people don't judge people because you never know what someone's story is you know what i'm saying like you know you don't understand and depression is the perfect example of that you could have someone there's also high functioning depression not to get even more confusing here but there's plenty of people that could still be doing just fine in school or that can maintain a job and yeah they're walking around with suicidal ideations they're walking around thinking there's no point to life they're walking around craving substances or other addictive things just because they don't get any joy in their life Mm -hmm. outside of that and i know scott we wanted to kind of share some maybe like lived experiences stories so do you want to kind of start with maybe one that you're thinking of or you want me to start of course yeah i'll I'll take one real quick f for you so when i think of one of my most infamous stories in my own life with depression it takes me back to my sophomore year of college and when i was in college it was great one day and the next day it was brutal then the next day was awesome then the next day it was really really hard but i got to this one point sophomore year where it was every day was really hard every day i was in the dumps every day i was telling myself that i had no reason to be here and that i did not matter and i remember i got to a point where i felt completely and totally numb completely numb to everyone and everything in this world i didn't care what happened to me i didn't care if anyone checked up on me i didn't care about anything There was no feeling left. It felt like everything on the inside of me had turned to stone and dropped out of my body. And because of that, 
I remember I just started blindly walking down Broad Street here in Philadelphia. And for those of you listening from other areas, if you're not familiar with Broad Street, it's one of the busiest streets in the city of Philadelphia. A lot of cars, a lot of traffic. But the only problem here was that I wasn't just walking on the sidewalk. Mm -mm. I was walking down the middle of the road where the yellow lines were. And to be honest, I didn't care what happened. I remember at that moment, I didn't care if I got hit by a car. I did not care what happened to me. And I walked down the middle of this road for hours until by the grace of God, I turned on my left and I ended up seeing this advertisement. And this advertisement made me call my parents. And I just talked to them. And that was able to give me a little hope. It was able to help me to get out of that funk and to say, hey, you know what? Life's worth living. I'm here. It's not going to stay like this. I have people who care. But I remember still to this day what it felt like to be in that low of a place. That type of place where you didn't even care what happened in your next breath or not. And I have so much empathy for people who are there right now because I know what that feels like. And when you're in it, it feels like it's eternity. It feels like it's never going to stop. It'll be that way forever. But I can tell you with 100% certainty, it will not stay like that forever. Light always comes in. You know, darkness has to leave in the presence of light, right? So what does that tell us? That things will get better. It sometimes just takes some time. And if you can push through that and lean on people and get the help that you need, you will get through it just like I did. And that's why I share that story. Because if someone's watching or listening right down and they feel like that they don't matter, they need to know that they do. They need to know that there is hope and that things will change. We just got to give it some time. And we got to focus on those little emergency joys, as I call them, to pull us through. Because look, we can't always control our circumstances, can we? No, we cannot. But what we can control is how we react to those circumstances. Oh, my friend, that is up to us. And so even if everything's going wrong in your life, find two or three little things today that can bring you some peace, bring you some joy, bring you some happiness. I don't care what it is, dog. I don't care if it's a bowl of honey bunches of oats. <laughs> I don't care what it is. You hold on to that with everything you have. And you remind yourself that things will get better. And it won't always stay that way. I, that's actually, I think I told you this before. That's one of my favorite stories that you share. It probably is my favorite story that you share. And perhaps it's just because I'm local enough that I've been down Broad Street a million times and I can so clearly visualize you just walking down this thing. But guys, for those that don't know, I mean, it's such high stimulation. There is so <laughs> much going on. And so to be in that mindset where you kind of just are just by yourself, like I can feel that. I can literally feel it. And um, it's powerful stuff, man. I love how you can always bring us back up. Like, Leave it to you to talk about something so serious and then mention honey bunches. Of oats, right? <laughs> we got to do it, yeah, man. man. Always having fun here. I love it. So for me, it's kind of like, a, I guess, a breakdown of a few different things, um, you know, shorter versions of this, because I saw depression for me progress. And I am so big when I'm speaking to students in letting them know that these experiences and feelings are symptoms of a real mental health condition that is treatable, mm. that is fixable. Not that you need to be fixed. I'm not wording it that way. I'm saying that it can get better, right? That's mm -hmm. what Scott was saying. It can get better. Because when you're dealing with these types of thoughts and these types of emotions and you don't think it can get better, yeah, you'll understand what we're getting at. So one for me was hopelessness. Guys, the simplest story I can share with this, I'm not going to go on this one too deep, but I just remember that I used to be, I was never like good at athletic stuff, but I made up for that in sports. And I was like always doing really well in school. My mom and dad expected those grades out of me because they knew that was my thing, right? right? They never expected me to, you know, score 30 points in the basketball game if I <laughs> went and played my intramural league. But they did expect me to bring home A's and B's because like, Ev, all you got to do is the basic stuff to do that. Come on, man. Mm -hmm. Well, my grades started really slipping. I mean, like, you know, failing in high school. And 
I remember my mom coming in one day because she had that, you know, online thing. She could see the grades and stuff. And she always meant well with it. But she wasn't even mad this time when she saw my grades were bad. She was kind of just upset and concerned. And I'll never forget her asking me, hey, are these grades that I'm seeing online correct? And when I said yes, what she was referring to was I don't even mean just Fs anymore. I mean mm -hmm. zeros with a note next to it, not submitted, not handed in. I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's the talk about bare minimum effort. That's no effort. Right. So she said, well, hey, why aren't you handing them in? Like, what's going on? You know, logical question. My response to my mom as a 15-year-old guy was, well, you know what? Since there's no point to life and my life doesn't have meaning, I'm just going to die one day anyway, why would I bother wasting my time doing the stupid tests or homework or these dumb projects? I'm just going to die one day. And if you're an adult out there, especially one with kids, I, I fully get and I understand I can sympathize with where your mind might go with that. Is that just a lame excuse to get out of homework? Did you really mean that? Guys, if your kid's saying that, that is not a lame excuse to get out of homework. Okay, There's a million other things you could have come up with. I actually, because that was the first time I ever said that out loud to anyone, and I realized I started actually believing this. There is no point to life. I'm 15 years old. I was a happy little kid 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. That's a dangerous place to be in. And I'll keep this one super short too. I kind of graduated, if you will, to the suicidal ideations. And I'll never forget this. I don't know if it was the first time. I really don't. It's just the first time that stands out when I'm thinking about it. I got my license. And I know in the city it's kind of different because you can walk so many places that mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people, from what I've heard, people I've met that grew up in the city, they might get their licenses like at 18. They might not even get a license. You know, they yeah. really might just be walking and stuff. Where Scott and I grew up in the suburbs, it's kind of essential. And you might get lucky enough to, you know, ride mom and dad's car, you know, every now and then and drive <laughs> yeah. it. So my parents were being super nice. You know, I had um, this car I could drive to school or whatever. And I'm driving it to school, just got my license. So 16 and a half, maybe. And I'm driving down 611 at uh, Bucks County, like Doylestown area. So it's a 55 mile per hour speed limit there. And instead of blasting music, thinking, this is awesome. I'm finally free. I get to drive. It should be the coolest thing ever as a teenager. Literally the biggest milestone. And my thing was, wow, if I just went a little over the speed limit, maybe like 10, 50 miles per hour, and I just shoved that wheel a little too far left or a little too far right, 100% chance this would all be over. Mm. I'd never have to deal with any of this ever again. And everyone would think it was just some dumb kid speeding on the highway. Mm. For those that don't deal with this or haven't dealt with this, these are the actual thoughts that people have, the things that Scott and I are sharing. These are, I mean, this is unfortunately very common in people with depression. This is not unique. Yeah. However, for if you're out there actually listening with this and you've experienced this before, we understand firsthand how real it can be at that time. I would not get on a show and do what we're doing. I know Scott wouldn't either, unless we meant it when we said, those thoughts are not yours. We're not saying you're delusional. What I'm saying is depression shifts your perspective. Mm. You always, We've always heard like glass half full, glass half empty. Mm -hmm. It's not glass half empty. It's like you're looking at a glass that's full and you think there's only one drop left. I mean, it is such a skewed perspective on the situation that you think, wow, the only way out of this maybe is to not be here anymore. Right. I promise you, if you get the help necessary and you're willing to stick with it, it's not gonna be overnight, those thoughts will go away. That was my experience, at least. Yeah, and thank you, Ed, for sharing that story. And I just want everybody to know that 
you know, we're talking about some heavy topics sometimes, but that's important to do because this stuff is real. This is happening to people and we can't just sweep it under the rug and act as if it's not. The only way that these people are going to be able to get help and that we're all going to be able to help each other when it comes to depression is bringing up real lived in experiences and stories like this. Although it might be uncomfortable sometimes, although some people will be like, oh no, I don't want to talk about that. We have to do this. Let me tell you, it's necessary. So then when someone else is going through it, they say, hey, you know what? I remember when that Evan kid, I remember when that Scott kid, they talked about that. And if they were able to get through it, then maybe I can as well. And that's why we bring up these topics and we talk about things like this because depression is so real. But I love what Ev said there with that depression kind of shifts your, your thoughts and your mindset. It really is true. It puts you in a whole nother lens. You know, for my personal brand, my brand slogan is navigating life through the lens of hope. It's on my t-shirt right now. But when you're going through depression, it's like you're navigating life through the lens of drudgery and misery and it's everywhere you turn it's constant you can't stop it you feel like it's in every single aspect even if something good is happening to you or fun you have no interest in it you don't care about it you don't want anything to do with anyone or anything and even if you try to pull yourself out of it many times you just keep trying to climb up that wall and you can't get there it feels like somebody keeps pushing you down and that's a really sad and scary place to be so you can see how when someone's in that dark place when they're viewing life through the lens of depression, you could see how they would say, hey, you know what? I just want my pain to be over. Mm -hmm. And that's why we want to make sure that we get to somebody before they get to that point. And we want to focus on preventative measures as opposed to crisis response. We're going to end up having to do like a part two on this at some point. Yeah. I just like, this is just not enough time to talk about it because I know we wanted to, and I appreciate you bringing it up because we wanted to mention how lives are impacted by depression. And not to get into a whole nother story, I'll keep it brief, but the only way I can describe this is depression. I'll go back to that drowning thing, right? It's just like you're in this constant state, a constant funk of like, what is going on, man? And this is important for parents out there because I'm someone who talks about substance abuse and stuff. And I think parents and teachers need to understand this because substance abuse is not always just a kid that got curious and then got hooked. It's a lot of the times a kid that's trying to hide pain. A lot of kids are curious and never get hooked. But there's some that, oh, wow, first time, I'm going to do this again. That's for sure. And I just remember, I'll never forget this actually. I was sitting with my girlfriend at the time on the back porch. We were like 16 years old. She's doing her homework. I mean, she's like perfectly mm -hmm. well-behaved. I just do her thing. <laughs> and I started smoking weed. And I didn't know what depression was. Her and I just knew I feel this way, whatever this was sometimes. Guys, this was the real experience. I swear, we're not hanging out with our friends. We're not at a party. I took a few hits of this thing and I just felt, it was like the weight just got lifted out of my body. That's how I remember describing the experience. And she was like, okay, like you're back to normal. I'm like, yep, back to normal. Mm -hmm. And now I'm not recommending that for teenagers. That's not what I'm saying. But you know, if you're looking at your teen or you're looking at your student from this lens of, oh my God, what are they doing? They know better. Mm -hmm. I taught them better than that. That might not be what's going through their head. They mm -hmm. might be thinking, wow, when I don't do this, all that's going through my head is what's the point? Yeah. Why am I here? And that gave me just enough time to kind of enjoy the night with my girlfriend and stuff. Yeah, and real quick before we sure. go over to our commercials, what I'll say, I love what Ever was just saying there too because depression can kind of be put like this. When you're going through depression, it's as if you're kind of in, let's just say you're in, you're in your own mental prison and you're looking for anything that is the first get out of jail free card. And for a lot of people, that get out of jail free card, that feeling of not having to feel depressed is turning to substances. And as we know, obviously that's going to lead down a dangerous path. Ev talks about that a lot. But what we want to be, make sure that we're doing is 
letting people know that, hey, you can get that same feeling in other practical, healthy coping mechanism ways. And we want to make sure that we're addressing those things early rather than turning to substances or other risky behavior type things that are going to really hurt us more than they're going to help us. You know what, Scott? I like that line so much that we just might have to talk about those exact things in part three, but we'll be right back after these quick commercial breaks. Find Yourself Boxes was created to foster the connection between a person and those in their life who may be working through mental health challenges by providing curated and customizable boxes filled with research-based wellness products that promote healing. Coupling personal experience with professional mental health guidance, Find Yourself Boxes meets people where they are on their journey. Wellness doesn't seem to look the same for every person, and these products are packaged together to touch various aspects of wellness of the wellness spectrum. Find your healing with Find Yourself Boxes at findyourselfboxes.com, and you can get a 20% off your first purchase. Does the pandemic have your hair looking a little funky? Do people stop and glance at you when you walk down the street? Folks, look, hair salons, they've been open for a while now. It's time to get your hair cut. You've been procrastinating. Come on, get it cut. And when you do it, you should head to the Hair Envisions in Ottsville, Pennsylvania. Hair Envisions is open Tuesday through Saturday. They specialize in coloring and offer keratin treatments that give your hair a smooth finish. Hair Envisions offers haircuts for all ages, so you can bring the whole family. Come on. Schedule your appointment today by calling 610-847-8894. Again, that's 610-847-8894. And tell them that Scotty P and Ev sent you. Well, Scott, I took that advice after last week. As you saw, I got the haircut. I hadn't gotten a cut since March, and that was the longest my hair had been since 15. But all right, listen, guys, if you're a doctor or a mental health professional um, that's looking to get more TMS, ketamine, and Spravato patients, then Seven Figure Psych is for you. Beyond Marketing's flagship Seven Figure Psych business development and marketing system helps mental health professionals to attract, schedule, and convert new patients into care. Join a community of like-minded business professionals and automate your entire online presence. Visit these guys at sevenfigurepsych.com. That's the number seven, figurepsych.com. Cancer is a word that most of us know all too well. And as is the case for so many other conditions, Western medicine is a miraculous yet incomplete form of treatment for those suffering. But what if there was a place in our community that helped meet the many other needs for cancer patients? Well, that's exactly what my aunt, Corinne Sikora, envisioned. And now you can help make that vision come to life. The Corinne Sikora Wellness and Support Center is designed to be a comforting space for all cancer patients across Bucks County. This center is going to help these individuals meet their emotional, social, physical, and lifestyle needs that are essential pieces of one's healing journey. Because of people like you, this center will be able to offer a multitude of completely free services to local patients and their families. Now, guys, we've been donate uh, we've had donated to this center well over several hundred thousand dollars. It is actually scheduled to be open in late fall of 2021. It is an amazing thing. Uh, barely, barely a year after my uh, aunt passed away, this thing's going to be opening up, and I think that's absolutely incredible. But a large division like this does need all the support it can get, and you can help today. We still need as much as we can get. Um, with little stuff like appliances, those types of things. So if you want to help, you can go to CorinneSakuraCenter.org and click the donate button. That is C-O-R-I-N-N-E-S-I-K-O-R-A Center.org, CorinneSakuraCenter.org, and click the donate button. And we're back. Welcome to the Friday Mental Health Power Hour with your host, Scotty P. And Ev, we're talking all things mental health all the time. Listen, we're talking about depression today. It is World Suicide 
Prevention Day. And that is uh, something, honestly, we didn't intentionally schedule, but it could not be more appropriate. Now, in part one of the show, what we do is we kind of define the terms because there is so much misunderstandings or so many misunderstandings about mental health and the definitions and the terms. So we'd like to take the first 10 minutes or so to really define it. We did that today. Part two, we share lived experiences and kind of maybe some of... Um, the times where the topic of the day was experienced for us at our worst. And then part three is the good stuff, man. It's what strategies can we use stories on how like actually overcoming this stuff looked in our lives. So Scott, you know, I'm going to throw it to you, man. I mean, what strategies can we use? How do we cope with depression? Where are you going to start? Yeah. So we could go on for this for hours. I could probably do a radio show for 24 hours in a row and then be like, dog, Give me another 24 hours for all the strategies that we can do to kind of cope with depression. But we'll start off with something simple. And obviously, you know, we'll, we'll keep time in mind here. But the first thing that I think is really important is a mindset shift. And here's what I mean. I always thought of my life as if it was a brick house. You know, think of a brick house. I want everyone to picture a brick house right now. There's thousands of individual bricks that make up that house, right? Well, when you're going through depression, it's like you're only looking at one little corner of bricks in that house. Just one little corner, two or three little bricks where they all happen to be these bricks of negativity and sadness. And that's all you're focused on. And you never take a step back to realize there's so much more there that there's an entire house there because all you see are those couple little bricks, right? And so what I think is really important is that what we need to do is realize that, look, in this house of our life, it's made up of all these different bricks, some good, some bad, but they're all working together to make our life's house sturdy and strong. So what does that mean? It means that every experience that you deal with in your life, every good experience, every bad experience, no matter what it is, every single one is a brick. And it's making you the person who you are today. And so I think when we look at depression that way, we no longer look at it as, oh man, this, this depression is this thing that's taking away from me. Depression is this thing that's bringing me down. This depression is this thing that is horrible. No, if you look at it as just another brick in the house of your life, you're almost going to be able to say, hey, I was able to use that to build myself stronger. I was able to use that to get to the next level in my life. And I think that type of perspective is something that we all need to work on when we find ourselves in that difficult place. Obviously, there's a lot more we're going to talk about as well. But I think starting with that type of perspective gets you on the right track to then be able to receive that proper help that you need, whether it's therapy, medication, or different strategies, which we'll talk about too. Sure. I think um, for me, it's just as simple as what we've been trying to do today already, and this is why a part two is warranted probably, it's just being able to identify what depression actually is. So guys, it's like these feelings of the fatigue usually, the low energy, and it can look different for a lot of people. For some people, it can True. be irritability. Um, I always describe to students, uh, I think this one's so big, and it's not an excuse not to do schoolwork, but <laughs> it's we've all had this experience, right? And Scott, I'm sure you've had this, where let's say you're supposed to be studying for something, you know? Mm. And uh, you get into one of those funks where you're like, all right, cool. Here I go, five minutes in. All right, going good so far. And you read a paragraph. Like, all right, let me check that one out again. I don't think I got that the first time. And you go back second time. And now you're at time number three. And you're like, I have not retained any word of these par uh, this paragraph that I've just read multiple times. <laughs> you get that kind of brain fog. We've all had that. Depression for me, even as someone who was a high-achieving student, this is super important for parents to get, high-achieving student that did well in school, I couldn't retain the information. You can be as smart as you want. If you can't remember what you're reading or listening mm. to, how are you supposed to take a test? I couldn't retain the information anymore. So it's like that feeling, but it's permanent. It doesn't go away after you take the lunch mm. break. It doesn't go away after you talk to some friends. It can last for a really long time. And that's why I had this hopelessness around the schoolwork. I'm like, this is impossible. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. I don't even know what I'm reading. 
Um, so it's very tough. And so I don't want to go off into that, but like we need to actually recognize this for what it is. And that's just one of many symptoms that it can be. So if you even suspect that you have it, yes, it's good to get some insight from the radio show. We're not clinicians. We're not psychologists. We're not counselors. What you need to do is go talk to someone, actually get a diagnosis, or maybe you don't get a diagnosis. Fantastic, right? That's actually, in all reality, that'd be an easier option because then you have other things that you can work through that are probably a little simpler, but no shame in getting a diagnosis. We've gotten that and we're here today. Like it's all good, but we need to know the problem that we're actually dealing with because the solutions can be different depending on what problem we're dealing with, right? Um, What do they say? Like the first step in even solving a problem is identifying there is one, but there can be a huge danger in identifying the wrong problem. I think that happens a lot with mental health. Yeah, that's 100%. And me and Ev, we echo this, and it's so true. The first step is always acknowledgement. Because if we're not acknowledging that depression's there, well, how in the world are we going to be able to overcome it, right? You know, if if you're walking down the street and you see a a truck coming, 18-wheeler coming down the street, and if you don't acknowledge that thing's there, you you better get ready for a collision. You know, you got to acknowledge these things. Depression is no different. We have to acknowledge that it's there so we can receive the proper help. And another way, one strategy that I want to share real quick that I think everybody can do, it's very simple, is something that I like to call planting seeds of positivity. And this is what I mean by it. Every morning when you wake up, our mind is usually under attack right away with all these anxious thoughts, these negative self-talk thoughts, these thoughts that are really bringing us down. And if you're suffering with depression, usually the morning, it hits you pretty hard. I think we've all been there before. But I think if we could combat that by doing a strategy such as followed, it's going to really help us. So get a post-it note, maybe write it on your phone, whatever it is, but write down three reasons on that note, whatever it is, three little reasons to start your day as soon as you get up, as soon as you get up, about why you like yourself, about why today will be a good day, and about what you have to look forward to today. Three little things, why you like yourself, what you have to look forward to, and why it's going to be a good day. And when you're starting your day off by writing those three little statements, whether you realize it or not, what you're doing is you're putting your mind in the right direction to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to start looking through the lens of hope, really, for this day. And that's how we combat depression is through a variety of different skills. And this is something that we've learned through therapy and stuff. I'm not just making this up and pulling it out and saying, hey, try this. No, this is an actual thing. And it sounds silly because you're just writing on post-it notes, but it really is a great strategy to start your day and get your mind going in that right direction. So the coping strategies I'm going to talk about, I love that we have this, we have the perfect amount of similarities and the perfect amount of differences. I think it really helps people get some different perspectives. I don't normally talk about this on this show. I'm definitely mm-hmm. into the functional health side of things. It's just something that helped me. And the reason I don't talk about it on this show is because I don't want people to get the wrong impression and think I'm going into a school and talking about natural medicine. That's actually just not something I do. It doesn't really resonate all the time with the kids. I haven't figured out a great way to say it. But for the adults listening, this is important to know. And we're not going to get super technical. We're going to keep it to simpler stuff. I never knew that when you stay up late, you're more likely to suffer from depression. In fact, observational studies have shown that night owls are as much as twice as likely, twice, to suffer from depression as early risers, regardless of how long they sleep. Okay, so what's an issue there? Well, for me, I know at a very young age, I was staying up till 2 or 3 a.m. Now, whatever that the cause of that was is up for um, speculation because I was someone who, like, um, anxiety kept me up a lot. 
Mm-hmm. So who knows? But I also just had like this very stimulatory mind going on where I always felt like thoughts were just racing around, maybe even not with anxiety, just in general, I always was thinking about a lot yeah. and it made me want to stay up. I never knew that caused an increased risk of depression. And so I'm not saying, you know, everyone has to be perfect with this, but I just, I'm kind of obsessed with it now because I know how much it helps me. And like Scott knows, like I try not to ever go be- out of bed past 10 p.m. That's just my thing. I don't yeah. care if it's Saturday or Sunday or Friday or whatever. I just don't do that because it doesn't work for me as someone who suffered for a very long time. And so that's an easy win. But then, of course, we also have the issue of depression affecting our sleep. So I always say this, and not to be negative, it's just something to watch out for and make sure we get in treatment as quick as we can. Depression can almost be a self-fulfilling prophecy because depression causes these symptoms, which if you did those actions that the symptoms are causing on your own without depression, you have a higher risk of depression. Depression messes up your sleep. There you go. Depression causes social isolation. How do, We all know after this pandemic what that does to us, right? Yeah. Depression changes our eating patterns. If you eat like crap, yeah, you might have worse mental health. We do know that. So it's kind of something that you really got to address as early as you can. But hey, wherever you're at, it can always, you can always come back. We know that. We've been to some pretty oh, dark yeah. places. But we always want to get it as early as we can because I have found depression actually encourages you to do the exact things that on their own would be high-risk factors for depression. You know what I mean? It's like kind of crazy that it does that. It really is. That's so great you say it because it does. It does encourage you to engage in these different activities and lifestyle changes that are not good for you. And depression, really, it almost like it's, it's almost like it whispers in your ear and it says, hey, do this, do that, do that. I know it sounded a little weird. You're probably like, yo, get this dude off the show. <laughs> but seriously, that's what, if you've ever been there, it kind of is like that. And one of the things that I want to mention here too, that's really important is recognizing some signs in people that are close to us. I think that's a really important thing. And especially for anybody who's dealing with teenagers or young adults, a lot of times, as and I know I've talked about this before, we get it confused with teenage angst and depression. And I think something that's really important to look out for that I know I struggled with a lot, even still do sometimes at the age of 24, is um, just a lot of that anger coming out and a lot of that, you know, looking to to almost feeling as if you're inadequate. So then trying to put other people down to bring yourself bring yourself up almost. And I think initially, if we see somebody who's saying nasty thing to us, things to us or somebody who's just being real curmudgeon to us, our instinct is to say, ah, you know what, forget that person. I'm done with them. I'm out of them. You know, they, they're being you know, mean to me, whatever. But I always now am aware that if someone's doing that to me, there's a good chance that person's probably really struggling and hurting on the inside. And I think that's something we don't talk about a lot in depression, which is why I wanted to bring it up, is that when we see that hurting people who hurt people are usually hurting people on their, on their own right on the inside. And... I think as a society and what we can all do is we have to do a good job of instead of throwing that person away and saying, oh, curse you saying, hey, look, you know, I don't have to spend time with this person, but I have to understand where they're coming from, that there's something more there. I I love so much that you brought that up because I feel like some people will say, and I want to say this correctly, not sound like it's like an ego boost. It's not that that's not what I'm trying to do, but some people will say like, oh, you're mature for your age and you have good perspectives. I'm like, I don't think that was by choice. I mean, you know, I'm not. So there is no credit to myself. I think that was forced upon me because when you deal with this type of stuff with mental health challenges, it is very hard after you overcome them to look at people that are hurting you and do whatever and get legitimately mad for long periods of time. And I think Mm -hmm. you might know, I posted something about this the other day. I had this experience recently with someone I really care about where they did something that I could have allowed to hurt me. And in Mm -hmm. fact, I did for the first little bit. I'm like, why would they do that? They said this is the exact thing they wouldn't do. And they went and did that. And you know what? Mental health issues aside for a second, right? I'm talking about the perspectives that it gives you. I'm like, you know what? 
First of all, who has ever woken up and said, I can't wait to hurt people today? So I know they didn't do that. And at the end of the day, if they're doing that somewhat intentionally, that doesn't mean I have to allow that in my life. I'm not suggesting that either. Mm -hmm. But I also have to acknowledge that that person must be pretty damn hurt too. They must be feeling something pretty bad that they're waking up and say, oh my God, I got to take this out on someone else. Mm -hmm. Now, again, that doesn't mean that we have to allow that in our lives, but at least we can understand it. And the final coping mechanism I'll kind of give is, Scott, I know that, do you have anything else before you do your finish? I want to make sure we give you. No, yeah, no. Talk about the final coping mechanism. Okay, cool. The final coping mechanism that I have, and I mean, well, it's really not final, I guess. It's just final for today. (laughs) Of course. And I know this is one you relate to, man. It helped both of us. It's one of the things that Scott and I just, I I think, are so in alignment with. It's getting the right content into your ears and into your eyes. And what the heck do I mean by that? What are you consuming information-wise? What are you reading? Mm. What are you listening to on the media? Now, is that going to cure clinical depression? I don't think so. However... A symptom of depression is something called rumination. Now, rumination has a different meaning in a non-clinical sense. In a psychological sense, rumination is this idea of constantly going over, incessantly uh, going over negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. They broke up with me. They broke up with me. They broke up with me. That person hurt me. That person hurt me. That person hurt me. What? I embarrassed myself at this time over and over and over again. When we take the time to read a positive book, when we take the time to put motivational speakers in our ears, it only sounds cheesy until you do it long enough. And then you realize you are actually trading out those ruminating thoughts for these other thoughts. You can't just do it for five minutes. That's not how it works. I mean, like brainwash yourself. I'm, I'm, I always say that. <laughs> yeah. When I finally found out about personal development, I did this crazy thing and everyone laughed, but it worked. Two months, my rule was two months, no TV, no music on the radio in my car. You were driving with me. We're listening to self-help stuff. Mm -hmm. I went from someone that six months before that day got kicked out of school and went to juvie to my friend who knew me in high school saying, quote, wow, you've become, she meant this genuinely, you've become the most positive person I know. That was not fake. Mm -hmm. I actually changed my mindset by changing the information that went in. And Scott, I know that we uh, always, if you don't know, if you're a first-time listener, we always finish with Scott. He is so great at bringing people back up before we leave you with the weekend. So Scott, I want to pass it back to you, man. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Ev. So we're going to shut this down real quick for everybody. And this was a a topic that so many of us can relate to today, depression. And I want to leave you with three kind of key points that I really want everyone, all the listeners, to be able to take away from this episode today. So the first key point, and we talked about this, is acknowledgement. We have to acknowledge these things in our life. We can't just keep sweeping it under the rug because guess what? Then we'll trip over the pile. We have to acknowledge the symptoms. We have to seek help for the symptoms. And we have to learn to let those thoughts pass through and start replacing them, as Ev said, with those positive thoughts. So number one is acknowledgement. And that is probably the most important one because if we're not acknowledging, then we're not going to get, we're not going to see any change. So that's number one. Number two is seek the right support system for yourself. Now, this is different for each and every one of us. For some of us, that means talking to a close family member, maybe a close friend. Maybe that means going to therapy. It's different for each and every one of us. But find a support system, a way of support for you so that you know that you're not alone in this because you're not. But depression will lie to you and tell you that you are. But I can guarantee you you're not. But you got to find that support system. That's the second key thing that I really need everyone to be able to take from this. Now, the third key point is probably one of my favorites. And I always say this, and I say the third key point is happiness takes work. It takes work. 
You know, I always used to think that happiness was something that would fall out of the sky one day. Oh, you know, when I graduate high school, I'll be happy. Guaranteed. That's a given, 100%. And then it was, oh, you know, well, when I graduate college, then I'll be happy. Then it was when I get this car, when I get this watch, when I get this girl, when I get this, when I get that, then I'll be happy. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? I think we've all been there before, right? But I've realized something. I've realized that, look, I don't have to wait for the future to be happy. I don't have to wait for everything that I want to happen to happen so I could check it off my list so then I could say, oh, I'm happy. I don't have to wait for everything to work out to be happy. I can be happy right here, right now in my life where I am, no matter how difficult things are. But the key is I have to know where to search to find that happiness. I've got to know where to dig. I've got to look in the right places for that happiness. You know, I can't expect it to come from things that I can't control. I can't expect other people to constantly make me happy. No. So think of it like this. I imagine happiness as if it's this thing that's buried in the ground beneath our feet right now where we stand. And it's just chilling there. It's just waiting. But it's up to us to get that shovel, to stick that bad boy in the ground and start putting in the work and putting in the effort to begin to dig that happiness up out of the ground and bring it into our lives. And that's work that we're all capable of doing. And sure, it's not easy. Sure, it's going to be hard. Sure, you're going to have days that say, man, I feel like I'm not making any progress. But as I said before, those who push past the threshold of frustration will acquire the gift of resilience. It's tough. Suffering with depression is so hard. But you can do it. You will do it. And you'll be able to overcome this. So I want to thank you so, so much for tuning in today for us. I really appreciate it. And you can always check all of our stuff out on www.dbam.com as well. Ev, do you have any last things you'd like to say? Yeah, Scotty P, where can they find you? They can find me at www.scottypinspiration.com or on Instagram at scottyp underscore inspo. And you can find me at evantransu.com or at evan underscore transu on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Catch the replay anytime by searching for the Friday Mental Health Power Hour with Scotty P and Ev on any major podcast platform. And we'll see you next week right here on WWDB. AM 860 and 97.5 FMHD2. Good night.